Hello, my beloveds. Um, I wanted to send this out, uh, this podcast, this talk out, because I'm just really touched by all the different ways that the larger community is trying to support each other, um, which, you know, I'm not seeing in the news as often as I'm seeing people lining up to buy guns. So, um, so yeah, I really want to reinforce that, you know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And times like this is when we see the worst in, e uh, in each other and we see the best in each other. So, um, I'm also really struck by the phrase, we will not regret the past, um, nor shut the door on it. Uh, yeah because I'm realizing that I have years of experience of learning how to live uh, with extreme fear. And um, so I want to share some of my experience, strength, and hope around that. Uh, most of you know that, uh, you know, in 2006 I had a trauma memory service and uh, it was annihilating is the, is the correct word. It's, it's not a hyperbole. Um, I collapsed from exhaustion, my body shut down, and um, I developed agoraphobia. And so for those who don't know, agoraphobia is not the fear of going outside. It's the fear of being in a situation where you will have a panic attack and then you will not be able to get back home. And so um, you become very controlling about where you go uh, and so and who you are with and because you're constantly managing the possibility that you will get triggered and um, put yourself in an unsafe situation, meaning that you'll put yourself with people who won't understand uh, what's happening for you and they will respond incorrectly, which will shame you, and then you will lose um, uh, social standing, and you will die of disgrace. So, um, so yeah, I've been uh, living with that for uh, about 14 years now. I've gotten a lot better. My life has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and my fears have gotten a lot less. Uh, Here's a, another example of just what it can be like um, uh, to live with, although that wasn't really an example, that was just a sort of description of what happened. And um, But what it can be like uh, is that even when I was with my two oldest, closest friends, and we all went to Manzanita, my favorite place, we were in our favorite little cabin, and I was with the two people who I knew loved me the most and actually are both signatories on my um, healthcare directive and my will. And we were laying there and we were just, um, Melanie was at the table writing, Ron was um, on the floor reading and I was on the couch and I was feeling just how much um, I loved them and at the same time I was feeling that 
because I was laying on the couch and I was trying to really sort of zone into the moment, I was also feeling my inner core vibrating with fear, just absolutely vibrating with fear. And I was just so blown away that um, I was having those uh, feelings at the same time. And that, you know, that that's the result of um, PTSD, is that surrounded by love and um, compassion and um, safety, that my body is still in hypervigilant alert mode. And that was when I, um, that was right before I started doing EMDR, which has been a game changer and which has really um, directly affected that inner core um, belief of being uh, in a constant state of hypervigilance and alertness and, anticip and in anticipation of something terrible happening. So I wanted to share... Um, you know, just some of my thoughts and then also some of my tools. And so, uh, in terms of um, my thoughts about, you know, uh, what I would want to say to, for example, my sponsees is just to remind you that you are connected. You are connected. And that whenever I am in a state of fear, um, which I recognize by wanting to escape the present moment, so either by eating um, or by excessive busyness um, or just whatever, just escape, escape, escape. Now there's definitely needing a timeout, which is a conscious choice and which is a balanced um, it's proportionally balanced to the rest of your day. You know, like, okay, it's time for a timeout. I just need to take a break from adulting and the seriousness is everything, seriousness of everything and just focus on something light and frivolous and fun. Absolutely, I encourage that. As a matter of fact, it's on my tool list that I'm gonna to read to you guys. Um, but, uh, one of the things that I say to myself and say to my sponsees is that whenever I'm in an alert, hypervigilant state of fear, that my life circumstances have gotten bigger than my concept of a higher power. And I want to break that down a little bit. Um, I was up in the middle of the night, um, thinking about doing this podcast and, uh, wanting to do my part and uh, and I thought about like what what's that mean that's a really great pithy sentence you know um, my life circumstances have gotten bigger than my concept of a higher power but let's unpack that a little bit and so what that means to me is that I have memories of being betrayed um, by say people whether parent, parents or parental figures, where I was, I rightly assumed that I would be taken care of, and, and I was not. And so the, the realization and the feeling that I was betrayed by the force that was supposed to guide and love and take care of me, um, really impacted me and it happened 
and there wasn't a, re a repair. Now that can happen, and if there's a repair, especially if it's immediate, then it's sort of, it's, it repairs itself, it heals. It doesn't have a lasting effect. But if there's no repair and it keeps happening, then basically I am wired so that whenever I put my faith and belief into anything external to me that I will be taken care of, I will be held, I will be guided, I will be whatever. Whenever my life circumstances gets to an extreme state or a really fearful state, my body remembers being betrayed. And so I take back my faith in a higher power because now I no longer believe that they will show up for me in this particular instance. Um, and so I take it back. And how I know I've done that as a food addict is, is that um, suddenly my uh, oldest friend, the friend that I found, the higher power that I found when, you know, um, my uh, external higher powers failed me, uh, I reach for. So when, you know, going back to the past, when I was growing up and those experiences happened and I felt abandoned and betrayed, well, I couldn't go to the source that I needed for love and connection because they were this, that was the source that was betraying me. So I had to find an alternative source of love and comfort. And because I was so young, um, the only thing I couldn't go out and buy drugs or have sex or work too much, you know what I mean? I, um, I did what, you know, I found what little kids love anyway, which was candy and food and, um, I remember eating butter out of the refrigerator. I mean, it was just, I found food. And in that sense, the food did its um, soporific and dopamine effect and calmed me down. And also I felt that sort of primal nurturing of eating. And, and that became my higher power. And that became something that I relied on more than any external source because I was in control of the food. I decided to go get it. I could get it. I could make it. There was no, there was no other thing involved. And so all of my emotional regulating, which if you recall is about taking myself from an extreme state, whether it's super anxious or super depressed and bringing myself back to a state of equanimity, which just means balance. Um, you know, then I just use food to do that. And I stopped using people. Now, unfortunately, um, that doesn't work, as we all know. And then, you know, I come into the rooms and I start to try to repair a relationship to a higher power, to a source that um, I can believe in, I can have faith in. I have to do a lot of work to separate my faith in a higher power away from my um, parental um, prototype and separate parent my parental relationships and my parental experiences from a relationship to a higher power and you know and that takes work and then I have to sort of try different higher powers on and and then realize like you know that they don't work for me and whatever and then I start to build this relationship and I slowly start to practice it and then um 
you know, my life circumstances got a lot uh, bigger than my um, concept of a higher power. And in fact, once again, I felt completely and utterly betrayed, which just triggered the childhood memories of being betrayed uh, by um, authority figures that loved me but be be betrayed me especially when it came to the incest memories that was someone who loved me. So, you know, there I am again, and I absolutely refuse to believe in any sort of um, outside source of uh, God at that time. But what I had that carried me was the fellowship, and that's when I was going to at least a meeting a day um, especially in the beginning, I was going to more like two meetings a day. There were days that I went to three, and there was one day that I went to four um, because I was so afraid to be alone with the food. And I did that for about three years, you know, the two, three, four meetings. Um, well, not four, that was just one day, but the two meetings, sometimes three meetings a day. I did that for about three years um, and then moved up here and was just at one meeting a day. And um, meanwhile, I was uh, learning a lot about living in a constant state of fear and rebuilding a sense of faith and using my um, natural born capacity for love as a way to heal myself and to create connections. And in that sense, what I was doing, even though I didn't know it at the time, was I was doing an e what they call an EMDR as resource building. So I was building that fellowship, and that is also when um, I really got clear on the concept of two powers, a power, um, a belief in a power greater than yourself, and, and then the power of the fellowship. Because when my belief in a power greater than myself failed me, the power of the fellowship carried me um, through that time. And so I feel like that's kind of, you know, sort of, my personal experience of that time is sort of like what people are experiencing right now, which is just this utter devastation to their lives and just living in an intense level of fear um, all the time. Um, the difference is, is that it's global instead of personal. But the tools still apply. And then um, I still hadn't done EMDR at that point, and so I then had to have that whole experience of building my life up um, hitting a shame wall around abundance, um, which then was tied to, you know, my belief that, um, you know, I wouldn't have been incested if, uh, if I didn't deserve it. And I wouldn't have been abused by my parents if I didn't deserve it. That's, that's the shame story. And so, you know, that, that did carry me for a while. And then the shame hag just, you know, reached up and, um, and sort of, took control and confronted me and, and forced me in that confrontation uh, to directly heal shame. And that's the motivation that led me to get a new um, EMDR therapist. I had had one before. I had tried to have one before, but she was old school where they wanted you to go back to the trauma event. And I don't recommend that. And um, I wish I could, I hope I save you guys a lot of time by saying, don't do that. Don't, don't do it that way. Um, so my effort to do EMDR when I first moved here, uh, didn't really go anywhere, but, uh, in 2014 and trying to do EMDR and finding, finally finding, ooh, finally finding Lucia, 
um, the EMDR she works with is the resource building. So I'm going to go through some tools that I've learned. And, um, uh, but before I do that, I want to finish the story around like, and, and then when, when all of that happened and, you know, I, you know, really sort of had a rupture from my faith in a higher power, I was actually able to heal that relationship because I realized how much I had set up my higher power to be a Santa Claus higher power. And what I mean by that is, you know, some people call it Santa Claus higher power and they think that it's like they're, they're praying for a car and they get a car and that kind of higher power. And I never did that. So I didn't think I had like the Santa Claus or, you know, please God help me find a parking space. Like that's a, you know, please God give me something. I'm praying for, for things. I never, I never did that, but I did think that if I prayed and lived a spiritual life that I would be, um, that it would grant me immunity from trials and tribulations and any future tragedies. I really believed that. I believed that, you know, um, that God would keep me safe from any calamities. And that's a version of a Santa Claus God. You know, if I do this, then you will do this for me. Um, that's the whole, if I'm good all year, then Santa will give me presents. So, um, so yeah, it really uncovered a lot of false beliefs that I had around, you know, what feels true for me. It also helped me get really clear on, you know, all of the aspects of a higher power that I didn't quite understand or wasn't quite firm with. And then what I was very clear about, and it helped me sort of deconstruct the whole thing until I got to some fundamental truths. And that is, is that, as I've shared before, that to me, you know, the divine, which is another word for God, is uh, beautiful. And the divine is mysterious. And the divine is love in its purest form. And, and that was like, okay, that's what I believe in. And then there are expressions of the divinity. And then there are, there are expressions that come through. There are expressions of the divine that come through very imperfect human beings, um, which means that they cannot sustain divinity 100% of the time. Otherwise, they'd be angels or elves, you know, and they would not be human beings. So, so it helped me get really clear on that. It helped me get really clear on looking in hindsight and realizing how critical um, the fellowship was in terms of giving me a place of support and resources. So when I met Lucia and we did um, some EMDR, one of the first things we did was uh, resource building. And so um, in a meditative state, uh, so you could find a quiet time. You don't need very long, five minutes. And what you do is, is that you first, you imagine yourself in a place, a location, and it can be real or it can be fantasy, that just feels absolutely, incredibly supportive to you. Like, you know, you know, beautiful, whatever it is, some place that has deep spiritual connection for you. So you imagine yourself there. And you take some time to really breathe in that location. And then you imagine 
someone with you, some wiser, older person with you that you feel is a resource for spiritual guidance, spiritual love, whatever, and they're, and they're with you. And they're sitting right next to you. And then, if, and then as you want, you breathe in that for a while. And then you can do sort of, you know, concentric circles. So you can imagine other, you know, another person on the other side of you. You can imagine people around you. And, um, and you just get it into, it doesn't have to be very big. Uh, it's really more about that it's solid and reliable and, and true for you. And so that little image, so you breathe into that image and then what you do each time that you, you know, that you're breathing into it is you can um, tap your fingers, right, left, right, left, right, left. It doesn't have to be hard. You know, it's just called tapping. You can, I'm just going to say, you can tap your legs. You can tap your fingers. You, you know, just keep, let's just keep it simple and just do one of those. And when each time that you're breathing in that image, of the place that you feel safe and then you're tapping you're sort of you know tying your body into that emotional experience and it will help you recall the feeling of safety when you bring that image back to you so after you do that um, that is your resource and so one of the things that uh, Lucia and I do together and then I'll also do alone is that Whenever I am feeling that my life experiences have gotten bigger than my higher power, I will recall that image and tap and remind myself how incredibly loved and supported I am. And that will, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't remove the fear, but it quiets the fear. And this is where, I, like I said on the OA Tech stream, like for me, Faith and fear do live in the same house. I mean, I, I deal with it every day. But faith holds fear's hand. And so when fear is, you know, having a moment and, you know, just really about ready to take over the entire council, you know, faith will just walk over and hold fear's hand and help fear, like, calm down to just its normal neurotic state, um, its normal manageable neurotic state. So, um, so there's that. With that, um, uh, I'm here, I'm now going to go through my little list now that I've kind of explained that. So the first thing that you have to do is notice that you're in a heightened fear-based state and, um, and I call that, you know, escaping the present moment. And then there are the ways that you do that. So you can um, catch yourself munching on food. You can catch, catch yourself snapping at people. You can catch yourself um, organizing and cleaning surface areas. Um, there's a, a, a line there you can tell, like sometimes organizing and cleaning gives you a sense of calm. I'm speaking for myself, but then there's the like, I don't know, like getting a Q-tip out and cleaning the grate or something. I mean, like then, you know, there's a level of like, you can tell that you're being really 
um, anxiously driven to control. So you got to kind of same thing with busy and productive. You know, there's a line around, you know, just um, keeping calm and carrying on and doing the next right task and action in front of you. And then there's sort of, you know, frantically throwing yourself into a project because you just want to escape your own life. So you got to kind of recognize what you're doing and then you have to stop. You have to stop. And what helps me do that is I stop and I I check in with my, I, even before I check in with my feelings, I know that I'm feeling a lot of fear. And then I hear my sponsor's voice say, you know, at some point you have to put the fork down and be willing to feel uncomfortable. And so what I say to myself is, I stop and I'm like, I am willing to feel uncomfortable. And I just take a breath and I'm just, because what I'm telling myself in saying that is, I can, I can emotionally handle this moment. I am not going to emotionally break down from feeling my feelings, which is the fear that I have. And for a lot of us is that if I let myself feel my feelings, um, they're going to be too big and I'm going to break and I'm going to have a mental breakdown. They're just going to consume me and overwhelm me and I'm going to collapse and, uh, into, you know, uh, tears that never stop and I'm going to be drooling and they're going to have to come and get me or maybe that's just me um but anyway so I stop and I'm like I you know I am willing to feel uncomfortable and then what I do is um I in my mind just really quickly I don't even have to think about it anymore just imagine my safe space that I created with the tapping resources and then I take a um it's called a five six part breath and another word for it is um, uh, I think it's called an anal breath and what it means is, is that you breathe in to the count of five and you breathe out to the count of six so you're breathing out more than you're breathing longer than you're breathing in but the reason why they call it an anal breath or a sphincter breath is is that you're breathing in so deeply that your sphincter muscles relax because when you go into a state of fear, your sphincter muscles tighten um, because now you're in fight, flight, freeze. And so there are a couple things that your body doesn't want to have happen. So all your breath comes up into the upper part of your chest. Um, your lower uh, muscles tighten because you're ready to flee. Um, uh, or your body doesn't know what you're going to do, if it's going to fight, if it's going to flee, if it's going to freeze. But either way, it just all clenches and freezes up. So um, so that's why, you know, taking the breath is a way to reassure your body that you are actually physically safe, you know. And so um, with that five-part breath is I ask myself, where are my feet? And I'll actually sort of, email my sponsees as a reminder. I'll say, where, where are your feet? And so part of that is, is that after the five or six part breath, and I'm kind of doing this all at once, by the way, but I'm breaking it down. You know, I can feel uncomfortable flashing the image of my safe space with all of my people in my head, taking a really deep breath and, um, and a really out long out breath, releasing my sphincter muscles, and then feeling the bottom of my feet. Because, you know, to get a little woo-woo with you here, 
um, your the end of your tailbone is where your first chakra is, which is um, your survival chakra. And so that's food, clothing, shelter, and that basically you're feeling physically safe. And at the bottom of your feet are um, feet chakras that help you ground uh, to the earth. And so when you feel the bottom of your feet, and if you can feel in the center of your feet some energy there, that's a really good sign because it means that the energy, the earth energy is coming up from the planet up into your legs to your first chakra and then down your grounding cord and that's keeping you grounded um, to the planet. Um, so uh, that's kind of some basics. Um, the other thing is that I do depending on what state I'm in is that I recognize that this fear is coming from my inner little girl and that she is being activated and thinking that she's not safe again. And so I will imagine um, as if she were standing next to me in fear, and I will imagine picking her up and holding her in my arms, and then how I do that is I'll put my hands over my heart, or I'll wrap my arms across my chest, and I'll just close my eyes and just see her holding her and reassuring her that we're safe and that I am a good parent and I know exactly how to take care of her and I know exactly how to keep her safe and she doesn't need to worry and she doesn't need to be in fear anymore and so I'll do that for a while. I may even sort of, you know, rock side to side or do whatever I need to do until I feel that she's um, calming down. Um, now the other thing I might do if I do that and then I need to keep going and keep working is that I will put on my iPod things that are um, reassuring for me to listen to. Like, and this is the whole Father Terry. So it's not just a podcast, but it could be, you know, for you it could be Tara Brock. It could be a spiritual teacher. It could be whatever, but just that voice that you feel is like, you know, an elder or a wiser person or um, someone, or it could be music, you know, music that gives you a sense of connectedness and gives you a sense of calm and a sense of spirituality that you are part of the love team and that there are other people on the love team and you're hearing the voice of a mentor on the love team, however you, you're hearing that voice. And then the other thing that I will do when I have time, um, like let's say I have to keep going on with my day, that's fine. But um, the, the fact that I had that experience that day means that I need a lot of dose of hope and love. And so I will watch inspiring videos. Now, I'm not a big uh, TV person, you know, so I have a playlist on YouTube of, um, you know, uh, incidences uh, that just remind me of the best of people because keep in mind that we're uh, we have a negativity bias and so does the news so the news is we are the news the negative news is being shouted in a bullhorn 24 7 and the positive news we're getting in little droplets from people texting it to us so I, I know that, and so I know that I'm not having a clear sense, I'm not being fed a clear sense of reality. 
So I'm going, I'm actively going out to look for um, all of the good news and all of the inspiring, the things that remind me that we do have an innate sense of goodness in our heart. Like what just popped into my mind right now, which I haven't even remembered, it's probably decades old, maybe not decades, but at least 10 years old, is I remember one of the viral videos was um, what got, this was a long time ago, what got caught on cam camera was is that people were standing um, on a, at a dock, you know, at, I don't know if it was a fishing dock, but a boat dock, and you know there were business people and there was a and there was no railing or anything and um a pregnant woman fell into the water and it was cold and without pause i mean you just saw it in camera like she falls and a nanosecond i mean a nanosecond later this man dives in um to get her out of the water that instinct right there um, just really moves me. It's moving me right now. And just all the little stories that, um, you know, that we're, we're hearing about and right now, and to just keep in mind, like, you know, um, even though I don't like the next door, um, app because it's just a mixed bag, I still was able to catch, you know, a post that said, um, you know, uh, if anyone needs any help, please contact me, you know, meaning like it was something where it's like, if there are older people out there in the community who need people to run errands for them, please call me and let me know. I mean, just randomly in our little neighborhood. And that's the, the plus side of the next Um, so anyway, so I think this is long enough. Oh my God, this is way longer than I expected. Sorry, you guys, but it is kind of important, and you can just listen to this in pieces. Um, all right, I love you, and, you know, again, feel free to uh, reach out to me. My contact information, for those who don't have it uh, on my podcast, there's, I'm not going to say it, um, there's a link on my uh, podcast that uh, takes you to my resource page, which has um, my G Drive resource page, which has my contact info. All right. Love you. Bye.